0: Greetings, everyone. I'm excited to welcome Peter Tilbrook, founder and CEO at Loero InsurTech. Peter, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Ben. Thanks very much for having me.
0: Yeah, great to have you here. Excited about this episode. So tell us first, tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Yeah, well, SaaS is relatively new to me. I'm an insurance professional through and through, having spent my time both on the broking side and the underwriting side of the insurance world. Originally, as the audience can tell from my accent, in the UK, and then about six years ago, moving to Spain to continue the role with a Japanese insurance firm based out of Barcelona, and now I've found myself here in the south of Spain, having started Loro InsurTech.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. I love that. So so SaaS is relatively new. So like you said, you're insurance pro, so you were in the insurance industry on the business say commercial side. And tell us, before we dive into what your company does, where did the idea come from? Because you do see a lot of first, you know, founders jump from that corporate world, corporate life and founding their own company. So where, where was the spark for Laurel?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's probably a spark that comes from the same source for a lot of people. We were frustrated with the solutions available to us in our industry and I'm very lucky to have two fantastic co-founders. One was head of IT for the insurance company we were working at for 12 years. And he's a CTO of Loro now, Loris Scandalavtis, and my other co-founder, Diego Silva-Rialba, who was also on the business side, like myself. And the three of us just thought there was a better way to, to offer the products that we were seeing and for the business opportunities that were there in front of us. So we wanted to create a SaaS offering that, that really delivered for the type of client we would have been in that situation.
0: Interesting. So did you, with your two co-founders, I assume you just talking, chatting, maybe some frustrations and and then eventually it came up. Well, let's, let's try to start our own solution. So is this something where you just yeah. exited corporate life and jumped right in or maybe just tried to incubate something on the side and then jump in t- into the role full time?
1: Very much so. Loris was the first one of us to take the plunge because obviously we needed to build the, the tech, the concept. So he went away and we, we founded a team in Guadalajara in Mexico of developers, very talented pool of developers we find located there. And they built this fabulous concept that Diego and I was so impressed with that rather sooner than we probably expected, we decided to take the plunge, as you say, and and go full steam ahead with the project and do a pre seed round and, and get our MVP out to the market. And, and yeah, that was a decision that is always tough to leave corporate life, the stability and all the, all the great things that go with it. But um, I think it was one we were just so had so
0: much kind of
1: energy and enthusiasm to go on that we couldn't wait.
0: Yeah, that's great. I love that. That's exciting. So yeah, let's dive in. Tell us a little bit about the products and services that Lauro offers.
1: Yeah, so we we set the rather grandiose, ambitious goal of taking any insurance product anywhere in the world online immediately. And for a lot of the listeners who don't know the, the world of insurance, that means we have clients that are looking to sell, say, life insurance in Zambia one day to people who are selling commercial products in the US, the next, and everything in between. So to create one Um, solution that fits all of those boxes is quite a project and a journey. And the other great thing about Loro is we are completely free to start, which is pretty much unheard of in the insure tech space. And that means that we're true partners with our our insurance users because the more they use our platform, the greater the revenue for us as they scale through the free tariff to the percentage of premium transacted on the platform and that's something we were very passionate about we we were frustrated that sometimes software can be a journey that there's a lot of money paid up front for something and the end delivery is not what the user expects and we wanted to flip that on its head and and start with the partnership model
0: really interesting so and when we talk insurance know at least in the US we can sometimes think medical and health and and then commercial so I assume more like on the commercial side that businesses would be signing up for any sort of you know liability insurance you know DNO insurance just anything on that commercial risk side
1: absolutely I think we we're all familiar now probably more more than ever with DNO with some of the recent things that have happened probably notably that the Silicon Valley case and all the discussions about directors and officers of liability there. But yeah, all sorts of specialty lines that until you enter the weird and wonderful world of insurance, a lot of people don't know exists. I mean, we were doing things with kidnap and ransom insurance of people going off to Nigeria to covering these active, salient, horrific events that happen in, in the schools and all sorts of risks. So our platform caters for a whole host of specialty insurance needs.
0: And I'm curious, has this case come up? Because I don't know much about this, but say marine shipping, sometimes you hear these big freighters sink and they've got hundreds of cars on them and they sink and all these expensive cars. Do they insure, are the shipments like that, something like that, do they insure per shipment?
1: Yeah, yeah. so we're we're actually a worldwide solution. As we said, we've got our products available in Spanish, Italian, French, and Spanish, and the 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 beauty of it is we see risks like that. So we're working with a partner in Italy who's ensuring hauliers' liability, cargo liability, and they're very much ensuring those those big big units of things that are going on these cargo ships to from usually from China to Europe or the US, but.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Really interesting. I'm sure you see a lot of different cases there. But tell tell us a little about your pricing model because you said there's kind of this free tier, and I saw in your press release up to say hundred thousand. I don't know which currency it was in, but then so is this a a usage based pricing model? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, probably a, the thing we've had the most debate on internally has been where to put the pricing uh, model and. Quite frankly, it's something we we clearly got wrong when we first started the project because we we priced the starting point higher and then the tariffs got lower depending on the use. So we flip that on its head that every year the users who use our platform have the first hundred thousand of bound premium free and that resets every year. So if they do ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars business, they don't pay a lot of a cent the minute they, they cross the threshold from 100,000 to 25 million they pay us 1% of the gross written premium and then from 25 million onwards it's 0.1% and i think we're quite i'm proud that we're quite unique in that because we have our pricing on our website we apply the same pricing for every client irrespective of if they're a small insurer in sudan to the same extent if they're a major insurer in mexico you know it doesn't it doesn't matter to us and that's part of the vision of democratizing access to insurance that we hope to support
0: that's great and and so the the your users coming onto the platform you know is there an ideal customer profile is it like any business looking for business insurance tell us a little bit about like the the people coming on and then are you on the insurer side are you constantly then adding providers into onto your platform.
1: Yeah, really the profile of the customer that fits fantastically with us is on the smaller end of the insurance customer. So usually what the industry would call MGAs, cover holders, those types of companies that are effectively writing business for insurers with portfolios under 150 million dollars annually. They fit really well into our, our model because they themselves are quite entrepreneurial, quite agile, keen to see the opportunity to take a new product to market quickly or to seize on an opportunity. We still have a long way to go before we talk with the you know, the state farms, the Liberty Mutuals, the, the alliances of this world, because they're just a different business. Mm-hmm. With all the respect in the world to what fabulous organizations they are, they just look at software in a different way to some of the, the target market we have in mind.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. appreciate that insight. So when did you found Laurel?
1: Yeah, the journey. So we, we officially registered in, in Delaware, in the United States in 2021 of September that year, which is when we coincided with our pre-seed investment round. And then we proceeded through to May of this year. 2023 where we did our seed investment rounds. So yeah, slowly ticking through the, the stages of evolution, I suppose.
0: And tell us a little, a little bit about the Delaware incorporation because now you'll know, say us global, you start in, in one region, you start expanding and you see companies, you know, establish different headquarters, you know, so tell us, yeah, little. was there any process thinking, you know, with that, the, the U S incorporation?
1: Yeah, there was a there was a lot of thinking uh, about that. And to, to be honest, we we initially had thoughts of incorporating in in Mexico, where our tech team is based. And the reality was, the US stood out for us. One, my partner is is based in in the, in the US, and two, for things like scaling investment, the ease of doing business, it just led us to to register in in Delaware. I think that's that's the biggest consideration for me was how easily is it it's hard enough to get people to want to give you money. The last thing you want to do is then add another challenge to actually get their money. So (laughs) that that was the biggest thing for us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate that insight, you know, and it's definitely something that has to be debated or considered and not just randomly Mm. selected as you, as you incorporate. So, so Delaware incorporation and do you, would you consider that you have a headquarters somewhere? Is it all virtual?
1: Yeah, so I suppose our, our business location would be Illinois because that's where my my partner in the US is based. But yeah, we 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 have some plans to to expand globally, kind of early stages of that, but certainly some thoughts of where we'd like to have a presence. Um, okay, makes sense in, in the medium term to to have a footing within the European Union, and I think we like we like a lot Latin America. We've got our tech team in Mexico, so it, it makes all the sense in the world to consider that too. Um, but it's interesting. I, I'm not sure how you find chatting to other people on the show. Certainly the dynamics of number of staff, physical offices, it's not what it used to be. You know, it's not something that's kind of your flagship metrics of your performance mm. as a company. It's it's slightly COVID's changed all of that, I suppose.
0: Yeah, and mostly hybrid, virtual, or maybe it's hard. They can't really pin down an actual location. Well, it's like, well, if we had to say our headquarters, it'd be this, you know, so yeah, yeah very common. Exactly. And, and then what about you kind of mentioned that, you know, your team size because yeah, early stage SaaS startups, you know, maybe you have a couple you know, founders, but then you supplement with contractors to scale and hire employees. But tell us about your current team size.
1: Yeah. Currently there's, there's eight of us. We really like the fact that we're a small team. It means we can be quite intimate in terms of everyone knows everyone. We also have very regular catch-ups. We can do some nice events and get everyone together. And also the way we've built Loro, it's very much on the model that we can onboard multiple clients at the same time relatively easily it's the kind of software that's intuitive that people that the end user can have control of i suppose what the industry now calls true no code you know they come in mm-hmm. click and build and and get going and that that's important to us because we don't want to have endless staff supporting a project that's never ending it's more about sign up get going and we make it as easy as possible for our customers to use our, our, our product
0: Great. And then of your, your current team size of eight, is, is that a lot of the engineers then in, in Mexico?
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, they're the absolute heroes of the company, really. the the brains behind it all. I mean, um, it's amazing, still amazing to me, not having a tech background that you can come up with ideas and then see it being brought to life right, right in front of you. So both Loris's CTO and the team have done an amazing job in building what they have.
0: Okay. And, and anything you want to share around your current revenue size? Yeah, we're still very,
1: very small on the revenue. I think we're quite, we're quite candid with that partly because of the fact that we we've only just, you it's know, on our small seed round and and we have this freemium type model that goes. So yeah, still relatively on small, but we're on the smaller side, but we're very hopeful of, of hitting some quite exciting numbers in the next 12 to 18 months. I think the early, client trajectory is pointing in that direction. We've got users across four continents on our system. We're onboarding and speaking to clients all the time. So really hopeful that if I, if I ever come again, Ben, we can tell you some very exciting figures. Yeah, that'd be great. Not so exciting.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Early stage still. And tell us a little bit about your go-to-market motion. How are you finding customers?
1: Yeah, it's a fantastic question. I think doing the, the startup journey is one of endless learning things that you'd never thought about before. We're so, we're so lucky to an extent because the early investors and, and a couple of the, the investors who joined this latest round are absolute titans in our industry. I mean, we've got CEOs of important insurance companies, we've got product leaders. So we lean on the experience around us a lot. We take a lot of feedback about their view on where our product fits along with our feeling and we've got quite a big target market space so um, lots of industry events absolutely key lots of lots of pushing our network reaching out to people and then I think we'll have to look at something a bit more structured and organized in terms of you know search optimization looking at the digital marketing side of it which, quite frankly, we will um, get some expert advice on because it's not the kind of thing you can just learn in a day.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely I know that from first-hand experience. Uh, uh, well, you've done a fantastic
1: great. job of it. We, we've still, we're just, we're just starting. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So, tell how much capital have you raised to date?
1: Yeah, so in total, we've raised nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Deliberately, very lean organization. Mm-hmm. We got from. The pre-seed to our seed with a, an investment of just two hundred thousand dollars, and we were really proud of that. I think in the age, the age for VCs to look at companies and expect outrageous burn rates is is over. That that time has passed. You know, people want to see where every um, cent is spent and that it's spent wisely, and that's very much our philosophy. at lot of
0: and tell us a little bit. So nine hundred fifty in total raise two hundred k. Pre-seed, seven hundred fifty k seed. Tell us your thinking around that. You know, and the triggers or milestones that led to those raises, and just just a little of you know behind the scenes thinking of, you know, why or, or why and you were ready to to raise and and the the need to raise.
1: Yeah, raising money is not something I thought when we started the company. You'd spend so much time thinking about and doing. But it's never far from your from your thoughts. Uh, I'm sure as you know, you, even now, we've pretty much just closed a round and everything you think is, how do we go towards this next round? I mean, the most important thing, and it's hard sometimes not to keep this front and center is creating a product that adds value for your customers. Number one, everything else takes care of itself, but it's natural to, as you said, think about those milestones, those markers that get you to the next investment round. And Some important things happened for us before the seed. We we felt we'd proven the concept. We had some early adopters in terms of clients that made us think, yes, this is something we we truly believe in. We got the software to uh, a stable enough and complete enough stage where we were confident to roll it out more fully. And also we, we, we saw the opportunity to invest the money in the areas that were needed to achieve the next step. So I think when the stars align like that, you, you kind of have a feeling for the time is right.
0: In the 200K pre-seed round, was there at that point no product? You were just selling that vision to then go build the MVP?
1: Yeah, what did they say? The friends, family and fools? <laughs> 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 well, they were, um, no, they were very much... Um, Experts, <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, the reality is, I think there was a lot of belief in in our background, particularly that Loris and the CTO and the dev and the initial product we built and showcased, and also an understanding from their side of what's missing in the insure tech and industry space and how successful the the idea, the concept, could be, and it was really the belief in, I suppose. Us, but also the vision that led them to, to invest in that stage. And, and I, th- I think we're so lucky to have people who, who back you. And it's what so many entrepreneurs need out there. It's just that little bit of belief in them and uh, a little bit of support financially. And little by little, you can make a difference in your area. And that's what we're trying to do.
0: And I think it's really important experience to share. So the really the 200k pre seed round, you're selling that vision. All right, let's go build the product. And then you had the seed round of 750. So the time in between the 200k and the 750, was that where you saw, say, enough traction, proving the concept, getting feedback? Would you say you had product market fit yet, as you're entering the seed round or still working on product market fit as you raise the seed round?
1: Yeah, I, I, I honestly believe that that's something you probably don't stop doing ever <clears> because, you know, they, they were constantly refining what our, our best market fit is. But certainly we, we had a much clearer idea of who would be a great user for Loro and where to find them. And, you know, the, the tech improved, the software improved infinitely from pre-seed to seed stage. So we feel we've got a really valuable asset in that in itself. Yeah, lots, lots lots, of interesting things to consider between those two periods. I think that's when you're kind of, it almost feels like the biggest step to get a venture capital firm to back you and to believe in you. And now the pressure's on. Now you've got to prove it.
0: <laughs> Definitely. So any fundraising lessons that you'd like to share with the SaaS community from that pre-seed and seed round? So
1: many. I mean, we didn't know anything about fundraising we had to learn you know what all the terminology is in the space so i would say speak to as many people as you can sounds obvious but no doubt you have people in your connections or wider life that have gone through similar things and i think having someone to to advise you on their experience and their and what they went through is just invaluable Um, and reach out to people. I mean, these people sometimes sound scary. And, you know, VCs are very famous for saying his 10 minutes, wow, me and things like that. But they're they're human at the end of the day, and they like to hear your story, and they they want to invest in you. So I think you've just got to give them a reason as to why you know your space, what your vision is with your product within the space, you know, so well, and, and how you want to execute it. And not, you just get used to people saying no because <laughs> the, the vast majority will say no, but you only need one or two to say yes, and and you're you're in business.
0: Yeah, definitely no on the investor front, no from prospects, you know, and just keep you know keep pushing. So great insight there. So at your, at your current stage, is there a favorite number or metric that you're focused on?
1: Uh, user growth is mm. absolutely the one that we look at. And we drive. We are great believers that if people see our tech and start using our, our software, they'll absolutely love it. They'll use it more. But the biggest hurdle, I'm sure it's the same in so many SaaS areas, is getting them to take that first step, believe in it and try it. So that's, that's our biggest objection, our objective is to get users on the platform.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So Peter, really appreciate your time today as we wrap up. What's coming up next for Laurel?
1: Yeah, lots of lots of travel. So we're, we're off to a few of the big kind of industry events that happen in our world. We'll be speaking at ITC Dia in Barcelona next week. Um, also looking at speaking in, in the Las Vegas event, um, sharing again our experience with the industry and lots of client onboarding. I hope that's the bread and butter of what we do.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, that sounds exciting. So if listeners would like to learn more about you and Laura, where should we send them online?
1: Yeah, they can go to our, our website, com. They can see the actual evidence that we do show our pricing. And if they want to find out anything about us personally, I'd love people to connect on LinkedIn, follow our page, Lotto Tech on LinkedIn. We'll try and keep as many real, honest, transparent updates about how the business is going and, and share our experience. We also love to read about other startups and how they're performing. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it's something that people find interesting.
0: That's great. All right. Well, check out Peter and lauro at Loro, Laurel, L-O-R-O, insurance.com for more information. And Peter, really appreciate your time today, sharing your story and your journey.
1: Thanks to you, Ben. Absolutely. Pleasure to come on. Yeah.